When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the PHNX Suns Dive Bar, brought to you as always by our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It may not be the win that we wanted, but it's a moral victory in my book, and don't come for me because it was an amazing game between the Phoenix Suns, who were without two All-Stars as well as Cam Johnson against the Bucks, but ultimately the Suns did fall to the Bucks, 132-122, to but I will take this any day of the week, given the circumstances. This was a great game. The Phoenix Suns are still the best team in the NBA. Suck it, Milwaukee. I get it. They lost. But they lost without Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Cam Johnson. They came out. They showed heart. They showed hustle. They played with reckless abandon. It was a beautiful thing until basically the final two minutes. And you know what? I'm all right with it. I really, I'm fine with it. We were prepared for a big loss, right? Mm -hmm. We were looking at this and we thought, this is the setup for potential humiliation on national TV. And again, we would have been fine with that as well. But the way that they came out, this is Monty Williams, basically demo demo tape is real, is whatever you want to call it, for Coach of the Year. This spoke to Monty Williams and his ability to get his guys focused, to get them up for a big game and not let them focus on the, oh, well, you know what? We're without all these guys. It is the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, chalk it up to a loss. No, every single guy came out and came to play today. That's on Monty Williams. Congratulations, Coach. Yeah, because it could have been so easy to just not show up to this game. You mm-hmm. had every excuse written for you already And you decided to show up, and you showed up in a really big way. The energy was fantastic throughout this game. Um, They, I mean, if we just look at the first quarter alone, right? The Suns forced seven turnovers in that first quarter. They started this game out so well, and they maintained it throughout the entire game, minus a couple, like, ends of quarters. Uh, We won't go into that too, too much. I still just am so proud of this team because, like we've said, Every excuse in the book, you're without three of your top players on this team and you still were able to perform in this way, like not mad at it at all. Also, Saul is in the chat right now and he just spelled my name wrong. So we're in a really big fight. 
<laughs> oh, that doesn't Big fight, surprise so. me. Uh, and look, you and me are going to be the sons and the bucks next. <laughs> you're going to Jay Crowder him, aren't you? <laughs> I am. Wow. Uh, I don't. Look, I don't mind if anybody else spells it wrong, but Saul better get it right. Look, I I say this a lot that you can't blame refs because they're bad on both sides of most games. Today, eleven free throws for the Suns, twenty nine for the Bucks. That's the difference in the game right there. I mean that that is one hundred percent the difference in today's game, and there's not much that the Suns could do about that. And so that's a, another reason I'm not frustrated with this loss is you can't overcome the refs uh, calling that many fouls against you and not calling that many fouls against the Bucs. And we saw it down the stretch. There were a handful of calls that were bad. Now the Suns didn't take care of the ball as well down the stretch. That's huge, huge on why the Suns couldn't control their own destiny in this game. But the refs really had some questionable calls around uh, around this fourth quarter in particular. But when you look at it, I'm okay. when if, if the refs put their thumb on the scale in this game and it's the difference, so be it. Better now than come June again. Yeah, I mean, the free throw discrepancy was a big deal. I also think um, rebounding was a big one for the Suns again tonight, which I think is something they just need to kind of hone in on and clean up as a whole moving forward. And that's pretty much everybody on this team, right? We've been talking about the whole rebounding situation as of late quite a bit. I know we've talked a lot about it with DeAndre Ayton, but I think it's a, a full team effort that they kind of really need to put a little bit more emphasis on on grabbing those boards and, and cleaning up in that area. Yeah, second chance points are always mm -hmm. going to be an Achilles heel when you give up, uh, uh, when you lose on the boards. Yeah. That's that's just the way it's going to be. But I thought overall the Suns' big men, and they played a twin tower lineup on multiple occasions in this game. Overall, they played pretty well. They played good defense. They frustrated Giannis. Uh, they even fouled him out, which is amazing when you consider, you know. <laughs> Giannis you fouled get, out? What? Well, I, you only get 11 free throws, <laughs> yet somehow you fouled Giannis out uh, as part of it. It's, it's, it's impressive to, to watch, but. For me, we talked about it pregame, right? Mm -hmm. The Suns were not missing uh, the the big men that they brought in this offseason and during during this uh, this season as well to counteract what happened against them in the finals with the bigs for Milwaukee. Those guys played very well, played very good defense, especially in the second half against Giannis. I get that the rebounds are concerning, but they did what they were supposed to do from a defensive perspective against the Bucks bigs. I'm I'm encouraged by that. And when you add back in Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Cam Johnston, it's a much different game at, at that point. Even, mm -hmm. even somewhat defensively, you're going to have Chris Paul and, and out there as well. Uh, down the stretch, they, they struggled in the clutch in this game. Obviously, that's where Devin Booker and Chris Paul are at their best. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, if they had – fill in the blank they would have won because i'm not a denver fan but i will say uh i was encouraged by today's game and it should make people think twice when it, especially nationally when they want to bag on this team for one reason or another this was a hell of an effort absolutely all right espo let's go to the bar let's get things started we can talk about some of the fun stuff that came out of tonight's game let's start with some drinks <laughs> 
Let's go to the bar. We're going to have a Landry slam it because, you know, we all want to slam a drink after the loss. But damn, Landry coming up big tonight. He finished with 17 points on 5 of 12 shooting, got to the free throw line, uh, had five assists as well. This is the game we've been waiting for Landry to have. We talked about it on Friday that it started to feel like some of his confidence was coming back that when you're in your head and some of this stuff is mental for a shooter, all it takes is getting a little bit of that confidence. Tonight was the game that should do that for Landry. This should put him where he can be a contributor the rest of the way. Really enjoyed watching his play, uh, and especially in that first half. That was why he was a big part of why they had the lead at halftime. Absolutely. I mean, We've talked about this before, but the silver lining of Devin Booker not being with the team right now is that it allowed Landry to find more rhythm. It allowed him the opportunity to shoot his way out of this slump or whatever you want to call it and to shake off that funk and overcome the mental fatigue that we know he told us the mental side of it is is what's the worst part of this. Like his injury is fine. It's just mentally locking in and kind of getting over this hump. This is exactly what Landry Shamit needed. He needed to shoot his way out of the funk. And it feels like things are really turning the corner for him, or as Gerald likes to say, the law of averages, right? Like this this is Landry coming into his time here with the Phoenix Suns. And it couldn't come at a better time because, for one, we don't know when Chris Paul and Devin Booker are going to be back. And two, if he can really figure it out and get this rhythm locked in before the playoffs, if he does see time in the playoffs, that would be tremendous for this team. Yeah, you if you can never have too many shooters. It's the biggest and oldest cliche in the NBA, but it's also true. You mm-hmm. can't have enough shooters, especially when it comes playoff time. And if Landry is going to hit those shots when he's open, that will be big. Even if even if it's five to ten minutes that you get out of him in a playoff rotation, he hits two to, you know, one or two threes, that could be the difference in a close game. So this is very important. And what this next stretch is about for the Suns is getting these guys that may not always get big minutes the opportunity to get some confidence, prove to themselves that they're ready for the playoffs and get it going. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I'm, I hope this keeps going with Landry. Love to see it. Really proud of him. So um, here is a bouquet of flowers to Landry Shamet. <laughs> Any right. other flowers you want to hand out? Yeah, we got a whole bunch right. to give out today, Aspo. <laughs> I think one of the things that we'll start with, um, our draft king, king of the game, we'll give out some flowers here. Tonight's draft king, king of the game is, of course, DeAndre, and he finished with a season-high 30 points. He had eight rebounds, 14 of 19 from the field. Happy birthday, DeAndre and Jr. Like, it was a solid performance from DA. And I know that DeAndre is such a polarizing person, right? A polarizing player. Like, we are constantly going to be talking the highs and the lows of DeAndre. Everyone is going to have their opinions on DeAndre. We shared some of our um, more negative feelings around the situation on Friday after the Knicks game. But I really, really like the way that DeAndre performed today. That, I guarantee, was the best performance in NBA history while wearing Elmo on your shoes. I can't (laughs) imagine any other players ever actually wore an Elmo on his shoes. But yeah, DA stepped up. We talked about it, that 
this was a game that if he wanted to show that he's truly as good as he feels he is, that he had to step up and he did it. Yes, did eight boards? Could you could you have had a few more? Of course, but he sure, played always. well offensively. Mm-hmm. You know, he came out, he hit the the three he took. He was hitting that mid range that that floating hook shot was was going in. Everything he did offensively was what you wanted. The one thing I didn't understand, and this is not on DeAndre Ayton, it's on Monty Williams. Why is he playing the fewest minutes of any starter? He only plays 33 minutes out of that starting unit, was gone for, I think, what amounted to six or seven minutes in that fourth quarter. I I don't get it. He was the best thing you had going offensively for for those first three quarters, and you sit him for for that long period of time. I feel like that may have cost them as well there in that four, especially – you know Giannis was in foul trouble. DA could have forced the issue there down low on him. I, I'm I'm frustrated with that uh, from my, from the Monty Williams perspective. I don't quite understand why it was that way. You're not the only one, Espo. Mike B in the comments said two things I didn't really like about this loss was trying to match DA with Giannis minutes. DA should be treated as a superstar, and he should be kept on the floor, especially when he's rolling like today. So you're not the only one who kind of feels that way. I don't know what the strategy behind that was or not, but he should have played 40 minutes in this game. (laughs) He should have. You should have taken advantage of a Giannis not being out there because of the foul calls and B if they brought Giannis back in because you have DA out there, you foul him out earlier. I don't Mm -hmm. understand the play. There's no excuse for him playing 33 minutes, only playing 33 minutes and having the fewest minutes of any starter on the floor for the Suns. It, it's inexcusable. And then you add that on top of not challenging that call where Middleton get uh, where Jay gets the foul uh, uh, called against him when Middleton, when he was guarding Middleton, where it looked like Middleton shoved him uh, and it should have been an offensive foul. Those two things feel like it falls on Monty, but it's tough in a game like this to bag on him at all because he did have these guys ready. But those are two moments I look at and thought that could have cost them in this fourth. And I wish they'd been done differently. So Kinneret said, I thought Biombo shut down Giannis better than DA. So perhaps he's getting good minutes at DA's expense. But in the first half, they had a lineup with DA and Biombo. I thought that was ideal with Giannis around. So we're talking about DA. So let's go down the line with the big men. He obviously Bismack Biombo got the nod from Monty off the bench before JaVale McGee. I didn't mind that at all tonight, just given the matchup. But there were also moments in time where they had DA and Bismack out there at the same time. I thought the defense when the two of them were out there was pretty decent. Offensively, though, I don't think it was sustainable for long periods of times, only short stints. But what are your thoughts on that? Well, defensively, it looked good, but Bismack had zeros across the board from an offensive perspective. So if you're going with him for longer stints, and they did bring in JaVale uh, in that fourth quarter, and he got it going a little bit offensively. Mm-hmm. But I, if that's the if that's the thinking, I think it's, it's very flawed. I want DA out there when he's rolling like this offensively. I mean, he was 14 of 19. He was hitting from everywhere on the floor. So why, with a team that obviously is lacking some of their, or not, not some, a majority of their <laughs> offensive weapons. Why are you keeping the guy 
off the floor that was carrying a majority of the load. It, it does not make a lot of sense to me, but granted, I'm sitting in a walk-in closet and Monty Williams is making millions and is going to win coach of the year. So he probably has a better understanding of it than me. I'll say that. Okay, last thing on this. Illusions in the comments said Monty hates playing eight and over 30 minutes. I hope it is some playoff conditioning thing, but he always plays 10 minutes less than the other stars. Have you noticed this? I guess I haven't really paid that much attention, but it does kind of feel like that at times. Do you think it's just keeping him fresh or or what do you think that might be attributed to? Well, when you're at full strength and, you know, especially this season where you've had JaVale play good minutes at times, I understand it, but you're not at full strength. So why are you not playing the best talent on your team uh, at that moment? Like there's no denying the most talented guy that played tonight for the Phoenix Suns is DeAndre Ayton. 100% is DeAndre Ayton. So why is he not out there more? I don't care what you usually do. This was an unusual circumstance for this team with a chance to beat uh, you know, the defending NBA champions without three of your best players. You play DeAndre Ayton. I don't want you saving him for Orlando. I don't give a crap. Win this game with your most talented guy on the court. Uh, he wasn't there tonight. All right, we're going to take a quick break because I got to tell you guys about the latest offer from the DraftKings Sportsbook app. If you're ready to feel the excitement of the conference championships like never before, you can turn your team's victory into your own big win with DraftKings Sportsbook. So new customers can bet $5 on any team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays. So as you know, combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Make sure to use that promo code PHNX. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. Like I said, if they win... You win with the promo code PHNX this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, just a reminder, that is 21 and older only, Arizona only, gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Let me let me address something from the chat that's being said right now in regards to the DeAndre Ayton stuff. Okay. They're claiming the more they do this, the, the you know they don't play DeAndre big minutes, the cheaper his contract. It, if there's no chance that there's some conspiracy that 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 is what's going on, I just there's not a chance that Monty Williams would play a guy fewer minutes because of the contract situation. I I refuse to believe that. So. I, that, I don't, it just feels a little too kind of conspiracy theory to me. I would be really disappointed if that was actually the case. Um, I don't know what's going on in that front office, so I can't speak to it a hundred percent, but I feel like that would just be a little bit, that's a little outrageous, I think. Yeah, I I'll know. speak to it. It's not happening. That is yeah. not what's happening in that front office. There's not a chance that you would potentially sacrifice games just to screw over one guy, especially a guy that has not said anything publicly has played the game, the way mm -hmm. uh, you know, the contract game, not the game of basketball, the way uh, that he should 
Not a chance. I just don't see it. Yeah. I, I'm all I for a good conspiracy theory. We all Same. know that. But they're I always fun. Right. <laughs> they're always fun. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the point guards campaign, Aaron Holiday. So campaign was one point shy of his regular season career high. He finished with 23 points and eight assists. Cam seems like he's really feeling himself. I mean, there were a couple times in, in all the games since he's come back, a couple lapses here and there, a couple missed shots. Um, Patrick mentioned he thinks he kind of ran out of steam there towards the end. But overall, I think campaign, we've gotten a really good campaign back from this injury, which I know was something that we all had discussed a few times, like what campaign are we going to be getting back when he does return? I like this campaign. Yeah, I mean, he had eight assists, only three turnovers. He seemed to, at times, when you get the campaign that was struggling earlier in the season, he seems to be out of control at times on the offensive end, making moves that, you know, what is what is going on? He played within his game tonight, within himself, didn't have those moments, and, uh, and came up big offensively. Uh, I liked what I saw from him what he how he was able to get his teammates involved so look I, I yeah maybe he ran out of ran out of steam a little bit there at the end but he also is only in his third game back after being mm-hmm. out since the middle of january so you got to keep that in in mind conditioning is going to come into play and he was out there giving it his all even if that was the case so yeah and then aaron holiday uh he made his brother put it he made his brother work tonight That's for sure. I tweeted this at Gerald when he kind of mentioned it. I so desperately want to see the text messages in whatever group chat, whether it's the family group chat or just the brother group chat that are going back and forth right now, because it's probably so much fun on both sides. Yeah, uh, he he had a play where there was an inbounds play to uh, to Drew and he was covering full court, knocked it away from. Drew, it took an unbelievable save uh, going out of bounds under the hoop for Drew and the Bucks to keep the ball. That epitomized it for me. He was he was in his brother's grill anytime they're out there together, <laughs> and and I love I love that. Then he also was uh, was guarding Middleton, got an offensive foul uh, on Middleton at one point, even though he was giving up major height. This guy uh, this guy is special. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a great pickup. He's the kind of I uh, got the kind of mentality that this team needs just that, uh, you know, very much like Jay Crowder's I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do whatever, it, whatever it takes to help this team. And I'm going to do it with some attitude that'll, that'll pump this team up. I love what I'm, what we're seeing from Aaron holiday. And I don't need massive numbers for me to feel that way about him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he did finish with eight points and four assists in 18 minutes. So not a terrible night at all, but that, that brotherly rival, rivalhood, rivalry, rivalry, rivalry brotherhood, rivalry. <laughs> Good work. Yeah, that's got to be super fun for them all. All right, Espo. Um, one thing that I feel like I have seen a couple people bring up on Twitter and a little bit in the chat is Mikkel Bridges. And I know a lot of people are asking on social media, not necessarily in the chat, kind of why is there not as much frustration, I guess you could say, with Mikel Bridges when he doesn't have a big offensive night or something of that sort. I like Mikel Bridges did have a little bit of issues at the start of this game. You know, he started, he was 0 for 5 through the first two and a half quarters of this game. 
but he did finish with 14 points and he scored prior to the start of this game. He scored in double figures in 13 of his last 14 games. Sometimes I think with Mikael Bridges, like we've talked about, obviously his load defensively is huge and that takes a lot of effort and energy. But I also wonder if maybe it's just because sometimes his games are so quiet because he has gotten into double figures quite often over the last, you know, month or so of games. If it just feels too quiet, that it's not flashy, it's not loud, that maybe that's why sometimes it's easy to kind of see the differences there. I don't know. What do you think? Look, there's one reason and one reason only why DeAndre Ayton takes more heat than Mikhail Bridges, and it's nine draft spots. Yeah. He was taken number one overall. If if DeAndre Ayton was taken 10th overall, nobody would say crap. They'd be uh, thrilled with the way that DeAndre Ayton plays. That's the benefit that Mikhail Bridges gets in this. And you know what? He's, he's likable and, uh, you know, right or wrong, nobody can question his effort the way that they – find a way to question DeAndre Ayton's. I don't think it's fair in most uh, situations the way they question DeAndre Ayton's, but that's the reality of it. Mikhail always looks like he's hustling. Uh, mm-hmm. But the defensive things I, I struggle with because DeAndre Ayton is supposedly the anchor of that defense, right? So he's putting as much defensive effort, having to guard multiple different positions, bigs. He's getting up and having to guard guys at the perimeter on switches. He does all these things. And McHale obviously gets the toughest defensive assignment every night, but that's that's part of uh, – it's just the perception, right? Mm-hmm. If those two guys have been flipped, McHale goes one, D.A. goes, goes ten – it's the it's the other way around. It's it the heat's there. Plus, McHale got ninety million. DeAndre Ayton wants the max. Yeah, and, and there's there's the other thing. But there's no excuse for McHale Bridges to have zero rebounds in a game. Zero, which is what he had today. Yeah. You want to talk about problems on the boards? You need him to have uh, to have some some rebounds as well. I don't need him to have ten, but two, three, but a handful. That could make the difference, especially mm-hmm. uh, keeping Milwaukee off the offensive glass. Uh, it, it would have been would have been big. Now, twelve or fourteen points in the second half. He helped keep the Suns in the game when Milwaukee was uh, was trying to uh, push that push that lead in that third and early in the fourth. But look, he needs to do better on the boards and defensively. Uh, you know. Middleton did get his own get his way tonight, so it's not as if he shut down Middleton uh, on that assignment this evening. So I love McHale. I know I'll probably take heat for giving any criticism to him, but I could have used a little bit more from McHale Bridges tonight, uh, where we got more out of DeAndre Ayton, especially on the offensive end, than we have recently. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not overly worried about Mikhail at all. I think no. it's normal to kind of have a little bit of a quote-unquote rough game. Rough game for Mikhail Bridges' kind of expectations, right? But I think you're right, and the people in the chat who are bringing this up too, I think the, the biggest reason that Mikhail doesn't get a lot of um, flack versus DA is just the amount of money that each of them we're asking for or are still asking for at this point in time. And, and to I, be fa- I get that. To be fair to McHale, he did have six assists and, and a couple very pretty assists uh, among that. So 
I don't want to get too harsh on him because of the rebounding. He did step up from an assist perspective, but, uh, but yeah, it could have used a few more rebounds, but he's always going to get more of a pass than DeAndre Ayton because of draft position and contract. And it's just not mm-hmm. going to change. That's going to be the way it is. And you know what? Fine by it. You know, DA should use that as, as motivation sometimes if, if he needs to find motivation. Josh said, we all agreed not to freak out before the game started, so no need to freak out after. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to put a bow on it again, right, this exceeded at least my expectations. I would guess a good majority of people's expectations by a mile. I there like there were times in this game where it was almost like how are the Bucks staying in this one? You might be saying it a little bit tongue in cheek and not fully like putting your neck all the way out there but there were times where it was like the way that this team is playing they could if you had told me they were up 15 18 on the bucks I wouldn't be surprised you know what I mean but the bucks were able to hit some really hard shots obviously as we mentioned off the top the free throw discrepancy the rebound discrepancy those were big things um that were factors against the suns in this one but the Suns played a fantastic game despite all the odds being against them with the uh, players that they had out today. Yeah, and it came down to Milwaukee had their clutch player, in particular Middleton, out there in the final four minutes. The Suns didn't have their clutch guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that it's that simple. That's what this game came down to. And, uh, and, and good on Milwaukee. They did what they were expected to do. And the only... The only people that had had this game pegged right on were the DraftKings guys. <laughs> they had them at plus nine, uh, and it was a ten point game. They did exact. I don't know how they do it, but, but though, they the thing it is, out. the thing is though, is that the most frustrating part about that is if you just looked at the score. It also this one doesn't tell the full story either, no. right? If you just looked at the score, and that DraftKings like. What is it? The line? Is yes, that what it's the called? Line, the DraftKings yes. line. Thank you. You wouldn't know what happened in this game. And it's so frustrating. And I wonder if they take that into consideration, if there's some way that they track that. They just they just have the almanac from back to the future and they know how <laughs> this is gonna work. I mean, there's gotta be something like that because it's it's impress eerily impressive how close it is in most cases. Yeah. So we got an update from Gerald. He's still waiting for the players, so we're not sure if he'll be able to join us on the show or not. If he doesn't, we'll have an update for you on our Twitter at PHNX underscore sun. So be sure to follow along there. I do have some tweets though that he sent out that I want to share because I know we talked about it off the top, but it's been brought up a lot in the chat. So in case you missed it, um, the free throw discrepancy, right? So Gerald tweeted out that Monty said, quote, the pattern that we're having to deal with from a free throw perspective is just getting old. Then Gerald added in, Monty first noted noted the Bucks hit a lot of tough shots, but he reiterated multiple times how frustrating the free throw discrepancy is every time these two teams play. Monty also mentioned the Suns need to be better at keeping teams off the offensive glass but he pointed out the 29 to 11 free throw discrepancy, despite Phoenix only having one fewer shot in the paint. So it's obviously incredibly frustrating for us, but you know, the team is equally, if not more upset about the situation. And when Monty 
because coaches do not often speak about anything officiating related. And I'm not saying that he went overboard on this. I actually think he kind of held his tongue pretty well with the way that he spoke about it. But if he's bringing it up, even in the slightest bit, there is so much frustration that is around that subject. Yeah. First off, girthy uh, updates there. Thank you, uh, Gerald, from uh, <laughs> via Twitter. But uh, look, I, I'm pretty sure if Monty wanted to really go off on the refs, we could start a GoFundMe. We'll take care of that fine. All the fines. Because- because that was uh, that was the most polite way to say those were some bullshit calls, refs. Uh, and I I appreciate that Monty keeps it nice, but there today was just uh, it was just bad. We talked about it off the top. It was bad refing. Coach AJM in the chat says, "Why don't the refs like That's us?" That's a great it's question. I don't know. I mean, a well, no. I look. I do know. There's not a traditional superstar on this roster, and this league is built around. Calls going to superstars, which I know sounds odd saying in a game where Giannis fouled out, but Giannis also traveled a few uh, significantly a few times, got uh, and and hacked guys that didn't get called as well. Superstars get calls, the Suns don't have a traditional superstar in the lineup, so that's part of it. And I, you know what, I do not, uh, you know, put it you know, beyond the realm of possibility that sins of the past with ownership and, and refs and different things that that does not come into play as well. Sometimes in this, I know we like to think, Oh, it's unbiased. That's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, You know, it's, that's unfair though. Why is it unfair? Sins of the past refs affecting this today. Yes. That's not biases. I None mean, of it's I fair, Lindsay. I'm saying it's not fair. <laughs> Lindsay, I hate to burst your bubble, but none of it's fair. That's not the way it works. You know, and, and like like many things, it's just unfair sometimes. And the, I'd love to tell you refs are unbiased, but there's biases. There's there's things that come into play. It would not shock me if at times, you know, there's there's you know outside forces that that push on on it to, that point out certain things to call during games, you know, all this, it's, it's all a possibility. It's all in the, in the realm of possibility. Okay. Um, I'm going to take us down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole. Ooh, I know you're going to hate this one, but Otis in the chat said Espo is not Espo. It's not bad refing. The refs are making these calls on purpose. And then you talked about, you know, having a little bit of bias at what point do like NBA officials all gather together or the NBA gathers them all together and says, listen, we got to, we got to work through this and create a clean slate. Or at what point do they decide to start making changes with their officials? Never. This is the league that had Tim Donaghy. And if you want to go feel really bad about refing and go down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, go listen to a podcast series called whistleblower. It was an eight part series that dove into the Donaghy uh, issues and talked about how it may have went significantly further than Donaghy. You want, you want to go, you want to get angry uh, about things, uh, you know, go listen to that. It's well done, but it makes you realize that, if the NBA were ever going to do something and have a major overhaul, it would have been at that point when the Tim Donaghy thing happened and they didn't, 
There was not some major overhaul. And I'm not saying every referee is corrupt. Definitely not. I still think there's just bad calls that happen in every game against all teams because of the human element. Yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. But when you have a guy like Monty Williams bringing up the issues of officiating in this particular matchup over the last two seasons, that that screams red flag. Because Monty's not even playing to complain. He's not that type of person. No, but I I don't... I, I'm sorry, look, I'm putting you in a really I, awkward position because no, I'm mad not, at you I, about something you have no control over. <laughs> I don't want to sit here. I don't have any proof, so I'm not going to say refs are corrupt against uh, in this particular matchup. I'm just saying nothing would surprise me if if there were different factors going on. But really, I think this comes down to Giannis is the face or one of the faces of the league. The Suns don't have that guy. Middleton somehow gets more respect than the Suns guys. And, and, and that's what's going on here is it's it's something that started early in this league that the superstars get the benefit of the calls. And that's never changed. It's fundamentally ingrained in the NBA and basketball that superstars. I mean, there was a whole book called the Jordan rules because he got preferential treatment. That's the way the league works and it's not going to change. And they're never going to fundamentally change it because they understand that the faces of the league are what sell things. It's what brings in national draws. And the only hope, the Suns have is that Devin Booker's ascension continues and he becomes one of those faces of the league, a true mm-hmm. superstar in the league's mind, and thus gets those calls from the referees. Until then, this is the side of things I think the Suns will always be on when it comes to calls. So Buck Dog in the comments said to address it is to admit it even happened. Much easier to sweep it under the rug. I agree. That's probably the approach they took because they didn't want to have to open the door for questions there. And then it opens the door basically forever. Once you admit it happened once, then now you're going to always be in question down the line if it's happening a second time or a third time or whatever. And I don't think they wanted to pull that thread and really understand how deep it went because then – I mean, do you do you unravel a whole league? Do you corrupt championships? How mm-hmm. what happens if you pull that and all of a sudden, you know, it takes everything down? That's yeah. the reality of it. Because in the end, it's a billion dollar business, and you don't want to do anything. You can't that, hurt that bottom line. Exactly. You don't want to kill the golden calf because you got too curious about what was really going on, and uh, and you outed yourself. Can we put Co JJM's super chat? Yeah back up as well he said we're getting to the foul line when we had ricky rubio and kelly Oubre. i'm starting to think this is a cp3 problem i didn't see cp3 out there tonight it still was a problem i get it he's part of the team but i'd have to go back and look i don't i i wish i could tell you i knew exactly what the free throw uh stats were in the bubble uh, run suns with Oubre and ricky rubio but i don't have that kind of uh, of a memory to tell you exactly what it was. But my guess is that's more of a revisionist history than, than actually the way it is. But I'll have to go back and look to answer uh, that question more accurately for you, uh, Code JJM. I wish, wish I could off the top here. All right. Anything else on the officiating? I know I don't like to really sit on it too long, but I figured today we'll give it a little bit more time than normal because it is a frustrating time for that. Anything else? Look, uh, you know, my, 
Monty did the right thing by bringing it up in his post-game press conference. It forces the league to consider it. It makes the refs, uh, it puts the refs on notice that, hey, uh, they're willing to say something. And that's really, that's really when you kind of see things. You probably see a, a overcorrection against Orlando would be my guess. That the Suns have a very large discrepancy in their favor on Tuesday night in free throws. Uh, and th- that kind of just helps the uh, conspiracy theories continue. But that's th- that's <laughs> the way it happens. You have a night like this, you point it out, and all of a sudden it's corrected. In well, the next game. because correct me if I'm wrong, but and I don't know the ins and outs of how all of this works. I've never been privy to any of these conversations, but I believe that coaching staffs can submit like official documentation or forms requesting reviews of certain calls. So I would think that if Monty is at the point where he's saying out loud, at least a handful of those may have been sent in the past, like, or in the recent past, right? If he's gotten to the point where he's saying it out loud to media, they've probably already gone down that route a little bit. Yeah. You wind up, uh, you can submit film. They take a look, uh, those kind of things. And it's done to make a point. It's Mm -hmm. done to, uh, to make sure that the league is, uh, is correcting refs on egregious calls. So I'm sure they'll submit a handful of things. I'm sure in that, I don't remember if that Jay Crowder foul was in the final two minutes, but if it was, wouldn't shock me if that final two minute report says they got that call wrong. There's nothing more frustrating than the final two minute report, right? It's like after you get out of a relationship, somebody admitting to all the things they did wrong and apologizing. It's like, well, what the hell good does this do me? I've moved on. Thanks a lot. Not a fucking help here, you know. That's kind of it's kind of the way it feels. That, that that report is so damn frustrating. So I'm sure there'll be a few things in it tomorrow that they go, "Oh yeah, we got the call wrong. We should have. It should have gone the Suns' way." So. Oh my gosh, what like those things are the most annoying thing ever because it's like, well, cool, thank you for admitting it, but also I would almost rather you like not make those public because it really just frustrates you even more unless you're going to really sit there and you're going to like, that's basically like your version of film and you're going to go over it time and time again until you get it right. Like just don't, it makes it worse. Could you imagine if at the end of the day you had to do a report like that and had to admit to all the little things that you got wrong. (laughs) And then not only did you have to write it out, you had to submit it publicly. So everybody was aware of it. That would be stressful. Oh, I, I would. Mine would be a mile long. It would be bad, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's why I would hate that. Yeah, it would not. It would not be. It would not be pretty. And uh, so I, I. It's just that should be an internal document that's distributed the teams to the refs within the league. I don't need to see it because all it does is, is raise my blood pressure. Salt in the wound. Exactly. All right, that's what we are going to move right on along because it is time to take your shot presented by Arizona Department of Health Services. COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov for a location near you. So let's take this shot and it's going to be A look at DeAndre Ayton from beyond the arc this year. He's 5 of 13 from deep, 38.4% overall. I get it. It's 13 shots, but that's the third best three-point percentage on the team behind Aaron Holiday, who's been here for like five seconds, 
and Cam Johnson, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. DeAndre Ayton has found a rhythm from beyond the arc, and it should scare other teams in the NBA. Between that and the way the mid-range has come through, he has proven that he's got a touch. I don't want to see him jacking up threes perpetually, but now I'm at a point where I do not cringe when he pulls up from from deep. It's going to be big. It's going to come up big at some point in the playoffs, I think, too. It adds another element to a guy who is important in this playoff run. One more time, COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov for a location near you. I completely agree with you, Espo. I don't mind DeAndre Ayton taking more threes when they're open. I don't mind him kind of honing in on that skill just to be at another threat to his bag, right? Um, I do think one thing that was interesting that Gerald actually tweeted out today after DA hit that three was that he doesn't mind DeAndre taking those threes, but he would prefer him. Actually, I think it was when he lost the ball. Uh, I don't know if it was in the first quarter. He had the ball, and I believe it was Chris Middleton kind of gave him the business and forced a turnover. Gerald tweeted out, you know, adding that three ball to his arsenal is great, but one of the areas of focus that he would prefer him to put his energy and time is in his ball handling and dribbling skills. Do you agree there? It, it's always a moving target with DeAndre Ayton because before this it was, I wish DA, and I'm this is not a bag on Gerald. I've seen multiple people do this. It's a moving target. Before this it was, I wish DA would add a three-point shot, shot to his arsenal because it could stretch the floor and open things up so much. Now I agree. He needs to work on on ball handling because now that they have to respect that three-point shot, what he could do is get that ball out front and gain a step on a guy if he has that that ball handling that, that he works on. But every year you add something to your game. Focus on it this offseason. I mean, we praise Devin Booker for his game continually evolving. And if you look at DeAndre Ayton, now it's not just around the rim he scores the points. It's the mid-range. It's that hook flip that he does. It's the three-point shot. Give him credit where credit's due and then let him work on the next thing in his game uh, in the offseason to evolve that game. That's the beauty of a good player. They continue to evolve each step of the way. That's the next iteration for DeAndre. I agree. I mean, you you add a couple different things here and there, and it just makes you overall a much better player. Um, and yeah, we do move the goalposts, but I think I would like to think at least from Gerald's comment, it was more like moving the goalpost as he matures, as he gets experience. Like you got to continue to move the goalpost in that perspective, just like with yes. Devin Booker, right? Year two, the goals set for him are far different than year three, than year four, and so on. Because as you become more experienced and you have more time being able to perfect your craft, you got to reach for the next thing. You got to right. add more things to your game and just continue to level up. Agreed. Mike B says he has five three threes all year. He has a touch, but I need big man dunking on fools down low and getting my me offensive rebounds. I agree on the offensive rebound front, but can you explain to me, uh, do you get an extra point when you dunk on a guy? Have I missed that that hook flip and that mid-range shot that he's hitting consistently? Uh, is that worth fewer points than, than yamming <laughs> on a guy? Just wondering, because I, I, think, I don't understand that. 
I know. I get what you're what you're saying. I do think though it's like maybe you could um add in there from a like moral victory type situation kind of perspective. It adds more energy into your team. It creates a little bit of um I don't know, spark and then you get an edge in that way. Sure. Is that tangible or is that too much sure. of a stretch? I'm uh, trying. <laughs> Lin- Lindsay just being the, I'm going to ride the fence. Uh, you know, it's, it's fine. I get it. I get a dunk fires up the team, but you're telling me <laughs> Devin Booker who doesn't dunk on fools all the time. Doesn't get his teammates going by hitting a mid range jumper. Chris Paul's never dunked once in his life and he doesn't get his teammates going. Like I, I, I get it. I'd love to see a poster dunk every once in a while, but I don't think it dramatically changes things the way we act like that. That's an excuse sometimes that people don't want to pay DeAndre eight in the max. And I'm like, Oh, that's the differentiator. The Derek Jones jr. And Gerald green should have been max players because all they did was dunk on fools. I mean, Derek Jones jr. Dunks were so fun though. That was amazing. Like, that was such a fun time. Yeah, I really wish I could go back to a 19-win team well, with a I dude mean, that could dunk on fools. I mean, when you are in the middle of a season where it's 19 wins, you got to find joy somehow, Espo. And Derek Jones Jr. dunks did that for us. You can't, you can't even lie. You know that during that season, that was like, man, I'm so glad this is at least happening. I can get excited about something. I'm not going there. (laughs) All right. Well, real quick, an update for you on Gerald. Um, He spoke with Monty, of course, Jay Crowder, campaign, and he is currently talking with DeAndre Ayton. So he should be joining us within the next, I would guess, like six to seven minutes. So, Espo, in the meantime, is there anything else about tonight's game that you would like to discuss? Yeah. Dear Puma, I need a (laughs) pair of Elmo kicks, all right? I want to rock a pair of those on the show. That's uh, that's what I like. What what would be the strangest thing you'd put on a pair of sneakers? Strangest thing? Well, I mean, um, Elmo isn't exactly a hype machine that you you'd imagine an NBA player have on his kicks. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know about the strangest thing, but I will say one of my favorite pairs of sneakers that I've seen come from like players were Da's Halloween shoes, where he had the foot skeleton. Mm-hmm. On the shoe, I actually have a pair, and I think they are the coolest thing ever. I'm jealous. That was on my on my list of of shoes I wanted to uh, wanted to snag. I I, I love the uh, and whatever I however you feel about the player, but Lamelo Ball and Puma mm-hmm. came out with Rick and Morty. Oh, that's fun. That's year. a good one. Yeah, I'd love to rock a pair of Rick and Morty sneakers. Uh, that would be pretty cool. You know, I'd rock a pair of shoes with all our uh, all our cartoon heads on it. I think that'd be kind of cool. A pair of PHNXs. Yeah, I mean, that could be kind of fun. I feel like uh, it, you'd have to put Gerald and I on one side and you and Saul on the other side. Why? Because that's just how it always ends up being. Oh, oh, that, you like Gerald more and, uh, and I get stuck <laughs> with uh, Saul. I see how it is. All right. It's not me, Espo. That's just how I'm... we end up getting lumped together. Screw the rest of you. I'm throwing things in the studio. <laughs> yeah, that's you're so angry. Frustrated. I'm sorry. Just throwing things. And now, look, if, if, that's the, if that's the case, <laughs> I'll just put my own head on the shoes and you guys can, uh, 
can get your own cartoon. Wear shoes, shoes with your own face on it. I'll just put my own face on it. It'll be it'll be go. cool. That's it'll be legit. like my own uh my own uh shoes. Screw the rest of you. You know what would actually be really cool on a pair of shoes? The point god design of our t-shirt that we oh, just released. That would be pretty yes. on a pair of shoes. Especially if you had if you put it like this would only work if you had really big feet because then the toe area is much larger on your shoes. But if you had that stained glass design right there on the toe of the shoe, it would be really cool. Why not but if you have small feet, it wouldn't look as good, I don't think. Make the whole shoe the stained glass pattern and put the point god thing on the tongue. That's a good that's, idea. That's what I want. That's All right, a really now way I... better idea, Espo. Now I'm going to get some cool kicks. Now, now I got to figure out somebody to custom make those for me. You should. And then we can make it a giveaway. And we don't Hell get the no, shoe I'm made. Wear them. <laughs> yes, you can wear them too, but we can make <laughs> one pair that's a giveaway. Okay. But fine. we don't make the shoe until the person wins so that they can actually pick their size. I think you need to bring one of those skeleton shoes in so we can put it up uh, on uh, on the set too. Yeah. I've thought about it, but I'm so nervous of it getting like jacked up because i love those don't you have two didn't you get the pair yes yes i have the pair so then you keep one at home that doesn't get jacked up and you have one on the set i mean come on i'll consider it i gotta figure out i don't know exactly where they are i have so many boxes of shoes there (laughs) and they're in the box still so it's probably that convert or (laughs) one of those boxes right behind you there no those are my shoes (laughs) hey look who's here it's gerald Hello, everyone. I am 10 feet tall today. (laughs) (laughs) Gerald, uh, how's uh, Milwaukee been treating you so far? It's been good. It hasn't been too cold, and I got some delicious frozen custard last night, so that was pretty solid. Uh, Unfortunate ending to today's game, but other than that, it's been pretty good. Uh, Gerald, uh, before I ask you a question, I'm glad to see that Phoenix isn't the only place that the guy with the really tall ladder gets on behind you. Uh, in Milwaukee, he's there as well. He just follows you. Uh, what did uh, what Monty have to say today in regards to just the way this team came out and played and, and the heart that they showed, especially through those first three quarters? Yeah, I, I think there was a good deal of frustration on his part with the way that this game ended, not because he was displeased with the way his team executed or you know, he, he had a lot of good things to say about the way they competed, especially shorthanded. But I think the frustration stemmed from the free throw discrepancy. You know, I asked him down the stretch, you know, was the difference just Milwaukee shot making? Because Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday hit a lot of tough shots in that fourth quarter. Uh, it seemed like no matter what the Suns could do, they couldn't stop them. But, you know, he said as much as he's going to credit them with their shot making, he said it's frustrating to run into this same problem against this team in terms of the discrepancy, it was 29-11 tonight. He brought up, you know, Giannis having 85 free throws in six finals games the last time they met in the playoffs. Um, so he made sure to call attention to that. And he was saying, you know, I don't know what we can do, especially in a game when he said the Suns only took one fewer shot in the paint. I'd have to check that to make sure he's right on that. But if the shots in the paint are that close and the free throw discrepancy is that big, there's something weird going on there and and he seemed pretty annoyed that they keep running into that problem against this particular team especially on a night when it would have been nice to cap off this sort of moral victory with an actual win yeah it was definitely an overall really impressive game from the Suns I think it exceeded our expectation by far I know you got to talk with DeAndre and you asked him about rebounding I believe Mm -hmm. can you share with us what he said 
Yeah, I mean, Dwayne asked him first, you know, what sticks out to you about this game? And he said rebounding is that I have to be better about my rebounding. Um, I haven't been rebounding the way I'm supposed to. And it's, you know, it is a team thing. It's not all on DA, so I don't want to pin this all on one guy. A lot of people notice that that key offensive rebound that Giannis got over the back where he just didn't kind of put his body into him. It's those type of plays that we've seen multiple times over the last few games that just can't happen. Um, some of it, like, like we've talked about, is a matter of coverage when DA switches onto the perimeter um, and they're blitzing guys. You know, a lot of times it's Jay Crowder, it's Mikhail Bridges, it's shorter guys who are having to fend off these rolling bigs. Um, and, and that's hard to do. They've had problems with that. Monty also pointed out in the you know post game that the rebounding has to be better. They they gave up 14 offensive rebounds today, and that was a killer for them in the finals as well. So it's something that I think they're going to need to turn their attention to. I asked Jay Crowder, like, what needs to change with the rebounding? What needs to get better? And he said they just need to put more of an emphasis on it. It's a lot of different things. It's effort. It's hard. It's attention to detail mostly in terms of, you know, putting a body on guys, moving them back, kind of kind of a back to basics thing that you're taught from a young age, you know, get low and move guys out of there. The Suns haven't really done that. And in the NBA, it's easy to just want to out jump your opponents. So uh, I think we've seen a little bit of that from DA and it's something that they'll need to fix moving forward. Did Monty give any explanation as to why DA only played 33 minutes? He wasn't in foul trouble, only had two fouls play was, was their best offensive player. Uh, this afternoon, it, it seems very odd that he played the few fewest minutes of any starter. Yeah, it is odd. But at the same time, I do think with D.A., especially with the load that he had offensively today and then how much they need him defensively and on the glass, I really do think it might have come down to um, conditioning. Not to say that D.A. is in bad shape or out of shape or anything like that. But it's very rare that we see him outside of the playoffs play upwards of, you know, 36 to 40 minutes a game. This probably would have been a game that called for it. But I do think it might have been a matter of D.A. just being tired, especially because we see the defensive effort. It kind of wanes from time to time when he is also tasked with having such a big offensive load like he did today. Um, And he was phenomenal for them on that end of the floor. You know, we I don't want to lose sight of that because we're talking a lot about the rebounding thing and it is an issue. But, you know, they're not even in that game if he is not just automatic from, you know, around the basket and especially from that mid range. And that was something we also talked about how much that's been a release valve for the Suns offense without, you know, Cam Johnson, Devin Booker and Chris Paul today. I know you got to go ahead. Uh, Just just one follow up in terms of that. Did Monty talk at all in terms of challenging that foul late in the game that was called on Jay Crowder, where it looked like uh, that Middleton may have actually pushed off on him. There were a lot of fans wondering why the challenge wasn't used in that situation. Yeah. Kind of a curious call not to in retrospect. Um, I know there was a lot going on at that point in time. And I think they were still wrapped up in the goaltend that uh, they thought was a goaltend. Um, I think looking back at the tape, it was probably a block. And I, I know campaign said that was a hell of a block, a big time block by Giannis. Um, and he said he hesitated on that lamp. So I think they were still wrapped up in that. We didn't ask him about it specifically. Um, but Monty has always kind of been averse to the challenge rule. I know he frequently talks about how frustrating it is not knowing, you know, okay, if I challenge this, what's going to be the potential outcomes here? Like, can they overturn it? 
can they, you know, especially the past couple of games where they've had a challenge that they've come back and ruled the challenge successful, but get called a foul on another player. So it's really not successful. Like he, I think he struggles with kind of the minutia of that type of situation. Um, so in this case, I think that would have been a good use of a challenge, but you know, Monty, Monty doesn't seem to like <laughs> the challenge in general. Yeah. It's kind of tough to navigate that space for sure. I know you got to talk with campaign, um, share what he, he shared with you, but also I want to get your thoughts just on how he's played since he returned to action. Yeah. I, I had asked him the other day about whether, you know, he was still trying to get his sea legs back because it was only his second game and he hadn't shot well in either one of those games today. It was a lot better nine for 19. Um, and he did say he felt like he was getting a little bit more in rhythm, but the two things that stood out to him the most were the two mistakes that he made late. They were sticking in his head, the turnover that he had, and then that layup that got blocked by Giannis. He said he hesitated a little bit, and he said that that ultimately cost him. Um, so he he did. He was very complimentary of the game that Drew Holiday had. I think Holiday had 17 in the fourth, and he said that's you know that's something he can learn from is watching that type of performance in terms of executing down the stretch. Obviously, he has Chris and Book to watch from, but it's a little bit different when you're out on the floor and competing against a guy like that who's just playing lights out down the stretch. He said that's something, that's a teaching moment that he can learn from moving forward. The last thing I got for you, Gerald, I'm curious. Um, we haven't talked about this yet. I kind of just forgot about it, to be honest with you, but I know a lot of people in the chat had mentioned it too. Mikel Bridges tonight had a lot of tape on his left shoulder. Are you in the know on what's going on there? Is it just a little bit of soreness or what are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk to him after the game. Uh, we spoke to Jay Crowder, uh, DeAndre, and Cam. Um, but we will probably have an update on him tomorrow, assuming they practice in Orlando. So we'll, we'll make sure to keep everybody informed and on the loop about that. All right, cool. Yeah, definitely see if you can get some answers for us because I know – that's a little bit of a concern or it could be a concern mm -hmm. that we all at least want to be in on the, be, uh, have some insight on. So Gerald, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Have fun out there on the road. I'm sure, uh, Florida will be a little bit nicer than Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> so enjoy that one. <laughs> thank you. I will. You guys take care. Bye Gerald. All right, guys. Well, that'll do it for us today. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you um, being with us in the chat. We appreciate you listening to this. If you're on audio, whichever platform you listen to your podcast on, just a quick reminder, go phnx.com. Become a member today. You can get your first month for 50 cents, or you can get a free t-shirt of your choice from our locker when you sign up. You also get access to our members-only Discord. And of course, the biggest reason to sign up is the fact that you get to read all of the amazing articles that Gerald puts out. We have exclusive content over there. And it's not just the Suns. It's every team in the Valley that you love. So head on over to GoPHNX and become a member today. Espo, any final thoughts before we say goodbye, goodbye? No, uh, just a, you know, as, as tough as it is to lose a game for only the 13th time this <laughs> season, uh, it was it, rarely can you say you have a moral victory when you're that good of a team. This was a moral victory. Absolutely. We're going to take tomorrow off, but we will be back on Tuesday, uh, starting with a pregame show live right here on our YouTube channel at 4.30 p.m. before the sun take on the magic. And then a quick reminder Wednesday, we are going to be live in person at the Ainsworth in downtown Phoenix. 
if you guys are able to come hang out with us, watch the game there, enjoy some food, some beverages, some giveaways, um, please, we'd love to have you down there. So come hang out with us. But if you can't, of course, we'll be live with you as always. Until then, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at PHNX underscore sons. You can follow me at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. And of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home. Championships aren't won in March. Ahoy hoy, everybody. <laughs>